Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Weekly Dispatch. I'm Sean, I'm here up in New York City where we have our first case of coronavirus. I know it's not me, but hopefully the city's able to get that on lockdown uh, as well as the rest of the globe and we can start getting towards good positive action with solving this crisis. So far, there are over 12,000 known cases and those continue to grow as flights from the United States to China have all but been canceled by United and Delta, with a few coming into Hong Kong, over 240 confirmed deaths thus far. And so everyone is scrambling in the known world. If you haven't heard about it, now you know, but it's probably one of the biggest news stories that came out this week as we left January and are now in a February. Before we get into it, our podcast is sponsored by Paragon recovery. Use the code Cronus to get great deals on their products. Paragon is something that Bobby and I have been using now for over a year. Since we started the podcast, it's a great supplement for anyone that wants to make sure we're maximizing sleep so that we can get after some of the intense training, especially the stuff that we put you through as you all challenge yourself uh, to be somebody and train for schools and selections. Back to the news. This podcast, we're going to specifically focus on what's happened now in the impeachment. I think it's going to wind down by this Wednesday. And some of the things that have come out in the last week, whether it's the John Bolton book, potential news drama cycle that we've seen, or some of the conservatives voting, or then what's in the future for President Trump, especially as we go towards the vote. And is that vote potentially the most successful way to remove or say that a president should stay in power. And we'll, we'll get into it, but my law school put on a little bit of a discussion between some faculty and students, and they raised some really good points. And I think it's something that it's worth talking about. But going back again to the discussion of what this impeachment hearing in the Senate was, again, it was an independent Senate hearing, so it, it doesn't have to have that standard evidentiary process. And if we look at what the biggest thing to come out this last week and a half has been over, it's been witnesses. Witnesses have driven the topics of conversation on every single news show because at the end of the day, individuals want to know first-hand knowledge, not potential just hearsay, but first-hand knowledge of individuals like John Bolton, Mick Mulvaney, on what they actually knew about the potential articles that the House brought against President Trump, that their managers in the Senate tried uh, to press and get the senators to vote. But at the end of the day, it was pretty much a known fact that 66 of the senators were never going to vote to impeach President Trump. Now, we, we look at the witnesses. There was some rumor that the 19th century rules of the trial may have allowed the Democrats to call witnesses through the Chief Justice Roberts, but that was more of a wild card. What they were really hoping to get was a vote from four Republicans, which looked potentially promising, and then there were some things that were said, I think, during the actual trial itself, both from Representative Nadler and Schiff, that put a bad taste calling out the integrity of some of the sitting senators. And because of that, I think it united a couple of them not to vote eventually for this uh, Bolton uh, witness call. But eventually, 
we're just going to have to get to the point of what would have really been the benefit of having John Bolton come and testify when, in fact, so few Republicans look like they were even going to switch and, and vote for Trump's impeachment. And it kind of goes towards this idea that if we're going to call John Bolton, if we're going to call Mick Mulvaney, the Republicans, we're really arguing, well, then we should call Hunter and Joe Biden. And it's worth really getting into that because it does appear that Joe Biden and Hunter Biden were somewhat protected by the Democratic Party. So it's clear that individuals on either side of the political aisle should have probably had some concerns that if there were no legitimate questions with Hunter Biden's role at Burisma and Joe Biden's specific role as vice president in dealing with the Ukraine politics back during President Obama's term, then we should really not have to worry about calling him just to clear up some of the issues that were kind of plaguing the Democrats' strategy going against President Trump and whether what he did was actually fighting corruption or whether he was just trying to get after a political adversary. And one of the really important things that I think we can point out is the Republicans have always had the votes to call both Hunter and Joe Biden with 51 individuals that are pretty much united on this question of what did these two individuals know, they really could have called either one of them at any point in the trial, whether that was a week and a half ago when they were voting on the formal rules and the amendments that the Democrats were introducing for witnesses, or whether it was uh, yesterday, or excuse me, two days ago uh, at the end of the week when they brought back up another amendment to try to call John Bolton to testify in front of the Senate. Some would kind of point to that as being an example of a bluff where it's this nuclear option that Democrats in the Senate and the House are afraid of you know, seeing used because it would affect the next election coming up this year. But at the end of the day, the big focus should really have just stood on the accusation that President Trump wanted just an announcement, not an investigation formally, into those reports that came out. And this will potentially end up just being a birtherism comparison between President Obama and what his critics said, and now potentially Vice President Biden as he's running now that they've brought this kind of dark and ominous cloud hanging over the entire campaign as it goes towards the Iowa caucuses. Individuals now are starting to ask the big questions. But we can all agree that the Hunter Biden hiring at Burisma is low-grade nepotism, and we should look currently to Joe Biden because there are still reports that his inner circle knew exactly what was going on, that the insiders were protecting him amongst all allegations of potentially worse stuff happening behind the scenes. So for total transparency, the shoe you know, is now on the other foot politically speaking, America needs to know exactly what's going on with its elected officials. It's not good enough any longer to kind of hear rumors and not address them. And a lot of Republicans point to the Bill Clinton impeachment and the politics that went beyond that. And if you go watch videos of the Democrats that were representing at that time 
Bill Clinton's defense in the Senate, they were just as angry and they were just as disappointed with the lack of bipartisan effort to shut down that hearing uh, as the Republicans were in the uh, House and Senate for this impeachment roundabout. And we look at the witnesses that could have been called like John Bolton. And when he came out this last week with news that he was releasing a book, a tell-all book, there was a lot of fear in the Republican caucus that individuals like Pat Cipollone, who was representing President Trump and was one of the biggest critics of the Democrats' lack of acknowledgement of America's desire to hear from Hunter or Joe Biden, uh, they pointed to him as potentially being blindsided uh, by this news because he would have likely known, having talked to the president extensively, that there was some grumblings out there or the fact that this book was being cleared through the White House to make sure it passed security measures before it was being published. So there was likely someone in that defense that knew exactly when this book was going to come out and what it was going to look like. And that was kind of the rundown of how the introduction of witnesses to come forth and testify uh, either in support of the defense or in support of the, the prosecution kind of played out. But on Friday, they had a final vote. It went 51 to 49, and only two Republicans, those being Senators Collins and Romney, voted for uh, hearing the witness. It's kind of a moot point now. It looks like Wednesday they will go and they will acquit President Trump of the impeachment charges, and then we're just going to continue on. But that kind of brings us to the next topic. And when the framers of the Constitution were originally making this, this executive branch uh, in Article 2, we were making kind of this unitary executive similar to the monarchy, taking bits and pieces, and it really kind of looks like a, a monarchical-type system. So there's no real law that could be used as adjudicating power against the president when you look at can he be investigated or indicted on some like really low-level crimes, and they introduced the idea of elections. And elections every four years were supposed to give the American people the ability to apply the laws as they see them, as they interpret the Constitution, as they see what he's done with high crimes and misdemeanors being the foundation for whether or not a, a president should leave. Now, it's key to note that although there are instances in U.S. history with President Nixon where massive popularity still isn't enough to protect us uh, from the crimes, it really kind of settles out when you look at information as it comes out later. So President Nixon, in his second election, won 49 out of 50 states. I think the only one he lost was Massachusetts, and he ended up leaving as more information eventually came out about the Watergate scandal, because at that time, too, it was incredibly hyperpartisan in the chambers of Cong Congress. And as more information came out, the second term was obviously fatal for President Nixon as he left before finally going through the actual trial in the Senate because he would have been voted out of office. But executive privilege can't really be used at that time to cover up legitimate crimes, and that was established in U.S. versus Nixon. But it leads to a fear now that we've had in the last four or five decades, three impeachment 
trials and hearings, and it's kind of normalized this idea of impeachment. So should we, as an American population, get used to impeachment? And there are two ways to look at this. If you want a way to check the president's power and you are for uh, limiting that corruption element, then you might say that, hey, no matter who is the president, we should always have the opportunity to impeach and we should maintain that office, that highest position in the land as something that should be attained only by individuals that meet the moral standard of our country and our voting bloc. But then on the other side, we should say, no, we shouldn't be normalized to impeachment because then it's just going to open up the floodgate of everyone can be impeached for anything. And they talked about it with President Obama and how he held up aid. There was an instance with President Obama and Russia, you know, there was reference to taking official action uh, in part with some of his politics and waiting for the re-election. There was also aid that was suspended, I believe, to Egypt. Uh, but the Leahy Amendment kind of covered some of that because you can't give aid to countries that are violating human rights. But the Impound Control Act is something else that keeps everyone in check because it makes sure it makes sure that presidents don't disregard the the will of Congress, and that was probably one of the biggest things that wasn't so much discussed during the trials or the hearings because the will of Congress was to have this two hundred million dollars go to the Ukrainian uh, individuals to to fight off the Russian aggression that they've been dealing with since uh, Crimea, but. We look back at some of the articles that the Democrats brought to the Senate, and it's interesting that some of them seem pretty weak when we look at them, because bribery is covered uh, under 18 U.S.C. 201, and the first article that the House brought included all of the elements of bribery, corruptly to you know corruptly seeking or solicits a thing of value for an official act, and they didn't title that article bribery. It, it left it to be inferred through the language found within the article. And so that makes it look relatively weak because there are actual laws against bribery and to not just come out and say like, hey, this is the high crime and misdemeanor that we are using as our primary motivation to bring justice uh, through the Senate. They left it kind of weak. Um, but that thing of value for an official act, that was the conspiracy um, into the 2016, the crowd strike thing. Uh, we had the Bidens being potentially an investigator and announcement. And then the other act was the $300 million being released and then an official state visit. So without saying bribery, but just trying to back up the facts with the federal bribery statute. Again, it does not make a very convincing. We know exactly what we're charging the president with from the Democrat side if you're sitting on the side of the Republicans. And then our, Article 2 was pretty weak. You, you might just argue, as one of our professors did, just split the baby because Article 1 and Article 2 are kind of grossly different as far as some substance to what they're trying to indicate that the president is guilty of. And what we mean by Article 2 being really weak, it was just abuse of power. So why would we focus on abuse of power? Because that seems like it has a very broad interpretive measure for how Americans might view President Trump's actions. And because impeachment is so incredibly, 
almost sacred when it comes to politics because you don't use it. It's one of those things that's supposed to be whispered in the halls of the White House for checking modern presidents. But it's a thing of last resort. Impeaching for subpoenas that haven't been litigated from the House of Representatives just looks like bad faith. And because the House of Representatives didn't go through the formal process of trying to call John Bolton, trying to call Mick Mulvaney and others in President Trump's uh, inner circle, it just looks like they did not do everything within their power or try everything possible in order to get President Trump formally indicted and charged with those crimes that they sought. Because at the end of the day, if it's a thing of last resort, the House didn't really resort to all the other things that they could have done. And those, again, just going through the court process. And then you can bring up obstruction, potentially. And that's where we talked about executive privilege and, and could he have extended that to those individuals. And that goes back to now politics. And some have critiqued the House on potentially bringing weaker articles because there are a lot of key races coming up. And in purple districts, where it could swing either Republican or Democrat to bring really formal charges might scare off some voters or just really piss off individuals on the other side that are now going to come out in droves to make sure that President Trump's Republican messaging is going to be represented through the votes that you know fill the chambers of Congress. And to not bring up that kind of thing might secure some votes for House Speaker uh, Nancy Pelosi in maintaining that she is still Speaker of the House. So there's some cynicism in that, but it's one of the things that people have to consider now when we look at individuals in Congress and how they're, they're interacting. And so what's, what's the big thing potentially? Why did we focus so much on the second weaker article with abusive power? And one of the things that was discussed was there's like that public, public minimum bar for impeachment, which abuse of power probably didn't meet. But it brings up the idea of this fair competition theory and abuse of power and engaging with foreign powers and an air interference in election kind of going at the heart of what America is designed around. Almost all of our rights that we have, these fundamental liberties, are built around one conception of fairness um, and you know equal opportunity and going back to that competitive drive that has made America a pioneer for hundreds of years now as we've uh, transversed the, the history of warfare and sickness and individuals constantly coming to our shores to, to make this country as great as it is. So if we brought up the idea, I think the Democrats were thinking that America would be turned off by how abusive President Trump was with his total disregard for just wanting to win a clean election that maybe the senator, maybe the Americans this next year will say we're not going to be as supportive of, of President Trump. But unfortunately, that was not how they really introduced their argument. And the next thing we'll talk about is just how bad the news cycles were as we went into this discussion of impeachment, both leading up and now the fallout. Now, I've watched CNN, I've watched Fox News, I've read uh, articles from Slate, The Atlantic, Jezebel, and then you got Drudge Report, MSNBC. There was not a single organization 
that just had the facts broken down of what was going on, who was voting and why, and what the fallout would be. It became very apparent that whichever news channel that you watched, it was only going to pitch one idea without, without regarding at all the feelings of individuals on the other side of the aisle. And it made it seem that if you were a Republican, you were very much a, a Doug Collins or a Mitch McConnell, and you were so hyperpartisan that you didn't care what the Democrats said. And then similarly, if you were a Democrat, you were a Jerry Nadler, an Adam Schiff, a Nancy Pelosi, and just incredibly overcritical of the president that 62 million Americans voted for. Recognizing that there was still like a three to five million vote difference between Hillary Clinton with the popular vote, but still almost half the votes for the president of the United States in that 2016 election went to President Trump. So you have to bring up good reasons why hardworking Americans should care that the president should be impeached. And instead, the news broadcasting teams made it on one side, you were just an idiot if you didn't want to vote for President Trump's impeachment or support that, and on the other side, that you were just unpatriotic and you wanted to go against the will of the people in our, our presidential um, election. And so two things we should take away from this. One, the news is not always indicative of the popular pulse within the country. We saw that with the polls in the election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, where it looked like Donald Trump didn't have a snowball's chance at hell at winning and then ended up being wrong. So we see that it, some of that was for either ratings or there was just a, a gross level of arrogance in reporting the news. And you'll see all these late night hosts on major news networks putting way too much personal spin and showing a lack of maturity in reporting the news for you as you're watching it. And then, you know, the, the second thing being that individuals should have some civility when we talk about this really grave topic of impeachment. You have to understand that if you were fighting to have President Trump impeached, that the individuals that voted for him need a really clear answer, something more than just being spoken down to or spoken to like we're trying to discount their vote. And because of the process of attacking President Trump since he's been elected, it just looks like no matter what crime was going to be brought, it was going to look just like we were constantly going on what President Trump called this witch hunt. So there was really no, there was no impasse in securing the votes through the Senate, definitely not in the House with a bipartisan measure. And then most importantly with the American people, because the news networks really just failed at creating, you know, fair and balanced is what Fox News says. That was wrong. They didn't even cover most of the uh, Senate trial when the Democrats were, were bringing up their points during the day or at night, uh, focusing more on, you know, Tucker Carlson, Hannity and the angering angle but then with CNN as well, uh, just always having this broadcast up and every single host just getting on there and absolutely being overly critical of any Republican who could ever possibly see that what President Trump did uh, was in line with you know, politics as we know them now. But what's next for the president? We still have rumblings that John Bolton could still be called to the House just because the Senate trial's over doesn't mean that he can't go to the House. There's still 
calls for another trial uh, for President Trump and his impeachment. Um, once they get that information, potentially from John Bolton, there are calls for the uh, for Foreign Emoluments Clause, where you take money from a foreign country. That doesn't require individuals to prove any kind of cause, just a claim. And that could be when uh, we receive money and essentially just turned a blind eye to the Syrian issue in the last uh, year and a half. So that, that's something that we could definitely see President Trump facing issue on. But with the election coming up and this acquittal imminent for this week in the Senate, I think most of America just wants this whole process to be completely done because it's really divided the country. You can't really even have a, a good discussion. President Trump is still battling a lot of stuff within uh, New York State. You know, we have the, the federal system, we have the state system, and uh, the Ninth and Tenth Amendment kind of cut it down the line exactly where the state draws the power from. Um, but in Trump v. Vance, the New York Manhattan DA uh, is, is investigating uh, through Mazur's financial records to go after his taxes. Um, and so that's still going through the courts. Uh, that, I'm sure, will make its way up and be decided uh, by the Supreme Court, hopefully, before the election. Um, because, you know, states can still go after him. He'll, he'll be open to potential attacks for years to come after as information comes out, just like Watergate when it seemed like you know, President Nixon was infallible in all this, and then years later, there is just a huge load of evidence to show how corrupt he was. And it's, it's likely that stuff, stuff will come out like that. And one of the, the worst parts for the Democrats will probably be the fact that there was always this reliance, and there has been in every single instance where they've thought that they were going to get President Trump. You know, you wait on John Bolton. John Bolton was severely disliked at the end of his tenure by the Republicans. He was incredibly disliked by the Democrats for his tenure uh, in, in Trump's cabinet. Uh, and that was because, you know, he's seen as dishonest and kind of this warmonger. And, you know, now there are, the Democrats have to, to wait on hand and foot to try to get him to come forward. So it's this idea that the Democrats are always waiting on the bad individuals from the Trump party to come forward rather than having something on their own side that they can rest on. But that's kind of the rundown of the impeachment. It's going to be done this week, so we'll be able to talk about some other news. Um, some stat stuff that happened last Sunday. Uh, Kobe Bryant, along with eight others, were killed around Calabasas when he was flying to one of his daughter's AAU games. Sadly, she was killed in the crash as well. Reports are still coming out, uh, and the I think it's the NTSB is going to release something later this week, but it looks like the helicopter they were flying didn't have uh, ground-sensing technology. It was incredibly foggy, and they were trying to get clearance to fly through, and I think they just, the pilot lost track of where the hills were out there, and they just, they, uh, they ran into them. And so all individuals on board were killed. The NBA has had... Uh, a massive uh, flux, you know, of, of Kobe support. I mean, he was just a phenomenal basketball player. I remember watching him when he played the Sixers uh, at the end of 2000, I think 10, 11, and that that baseline spin move fadeaway that, you know, he mastered was just so incredibly fast. Like, on TV, it just doesn't do it justice to see exactly what uh, a basketball player was. And, and for the, 
you know, older generations seeing that transition in the Laker organization from like the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Magic Johnson to Kobe Bryant. And that, that organization has always been known as having these tenured Lakers and him being there for 20 years, both as number eight and 24, left a huge impact on the city of Los Angeles because that was like their team before the Rams got there and the Dodgers were not that great. And, and Kobe brought championships with Shaq. And you saw a lot of the big names always go through, like Dwight Howard tried to start it up there again. Um, now he's he's back. And, you know, you have LeBron there now in his second season. And it looks like the Lakers could be a, a powerhouse uh, vying for, uh, if not an NBA title this year, but at least getting to a, a conference finals. And they've had a, a you know a fantastic season. So all the teams have been paying respect and tribute to Kobe Bryant um, and his daughter and the others that were on the flight taking you know eight second backcourt violations or going up the court and getting rid of the, the 24 second shot clock and you know just taking a turnover there just to show support for how great of a basketball player uh, he truly was uh, in sports you know continuing today we have the chiefs taking on the 49ers i think this year is going to be really hard to root against either team if you don't have a, a dog in the fight because there's no villain really this year. Whenever the Patriots are in it, everyone hates Tom Brady. Um, but, you know, between Garoppolo and Mahomes, two really good young quarterbacks, the teams have been standout all season. Uh, we look at the 49ers last year. I don't even think they had an above 500 record. Andy Reid, in his 21 years of coaching, has essentially had like a 10-win season every season and just is, you know, trying to break through. And as a Eagles fan, Bobby and I have been watching, you know, Cheesesteak Andy for, for years when he was with Donovan McNabb, and we went to the NFC Championship game like four times and finally got to the Super Bowl and lost, you know, where Donovan McNabb is throwing up on his own goal line for his final drive with Terrell Owens. So I, I'm hoping uh, that, that Andy Reid can, can pull this out, although I'd, I'd like to see again the 49ers bring a championship back to San Francisco because that's just such a dynasty, but we'll see what happens. The game's going to start at 6.30, and uh, it will most likely be a huge shootout because the the offenses are just phenomenal. But that's going to finish it for us this week on the Weekly Dispatch. Uh, hit us up if you have any questions for programming questions. Uh, always remember we've got an acronym page that's on the website at cronusfit.org. If you have questions about specific programming for schools and you're unsure what to start off with, um, again, we're always going to push you to use the free program that we got because, you know, that's our baseline for the, the basic Army schools and selections. And it secret should, you know, the secret should not be in fitness um, when it comes to your success. But hit us up at uh, uh, hq at chronosfit.org. I couldn't remember. That's too early. Um, and then on our Instagram or Facebook, uh, and we'll get back to you. We've only got one more week for the Ranger V3 programs. Uh, week 16 is coming up and ending. And then the next week, we're going to focus more on like a, a body weight kettlebell uh, style functional training cycle. Uh, and that'll be 12 weeks long. But outside of that, everyone have a great week ahead. We'll have some more news for you next Sunday. Uh, get after training and be somebody. Peace.